Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at a time. Hosted and produced by Andrew Paul and Lisa Pruden, the Well-Endowed Podcast explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can check it out and subscribe right now at thewellendowedpodcast.com. The final episode. 2022. Not the final episode, period. I don't I don't mean to or panic you. even the you. final episode of this book. But the final episode of the year that is 2022. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. You may be listening to this in the future, in which case, this is a message cast into the future. <laughs> Hello from the past. Indeed. But uh, if you are listening to it when it drops, this will be the 30th of December. So in just a few days, it will be 2023. It's true. A whole new year. Hopefully a, a good year for everybody, I would hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're not listening to it right when it drops, happy new year. Whatever year it happens to be. Yes. <laughs> or, or really for happy Tuesday, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Can't really tell you how our holidays went because we are pre-recording <laughs> this one yet. So uh, there's no way to really tell. I'm sure they were great. I am also sure they were fine, yes. And cold. We are in, as we record this, we are in the middle of a very serious cold snap. Oh, yeah. It has been minus 30 now for three days. Pretty close. Uh, with the wind chill, much colder than that. The air is just frozen outside. I know. It's uh, it's really, really cool. The thermometer on the car, which does not feel wind chill. Nope. Uh, was it minus 32 the other day when I was running an errand? Yeah, and I should specify uh, Celsius. We're in Canada. Yeah, Celsius. Oh, that's cold. Yeah, it's pretty cold. It's so cold. Yeah. But uh, enough about the cold. We've lived in Canada for multiple decades and uh, are pretty accustomed to dressing up in the winter and and dealing with the cold. We know how to endure it. I just don't like it. Yeah. It's uh, it's survive it. Yes. 100%. I know what I'm doing. I I know how to keep warm. (laughs) Enjoy it less so. Doesn't mean I'm going to like it. (laughs) Anyway. But a great way to beat the cold is to snuggle up in a blanket and read a book. And that's what we did. Yeah, get yourself some hot chocolate, get out your good reading socks, and a cozy blankie. And let's do a brief recap of our previous chapter, where the team got together and sallied forth in an effort to reach Tor Camelot before nightfall. Uh, The team now, not just of Torres' mercenary group, but also King Arthur and Robin Hood and his merry band, They uh, trek across the land encountering small armies that get turned off (laughs) and no fairies as far as the eye can see. Pity. Ultimately coming to uh, an appropriate spot for an ambush right outside of the castle where they are promptly ambushed. And that leads us (laughs) into chapter 15 of Questland by Carrie Vaughn. So they're ambushed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, 
I was right. And I was wrong, actually. And then I was right again somehow? Yeah. I had postulated that it must be these much-vaunted traps we had heard about. And I suppose, in a way, they kind of were traps. But they were traps set up by people who were ambushing. (laughs) Yeah. It was indeed an attack, though not a monster attack, which was the other thing I had posited. That's true. That it probably wouldn't be. Yeah. And it, it is indeed not. And if I remember correctly, what I called was either everybody falls into a hole or everybody, like, freezes in place. Well, Torres does call for everybody to freeze. Which they do. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. No. Um, <laughs> we quickly discover that the thing that seems to be snatching people from below is, in fact, like a vine. Yeah, there's, I don't know how to describe it. Entangling vine. It's an basically. entangling vine, yeah. except it's obviously not magical. It's a machine. It's Wendell, technological. Yeah, Wendell stabs one of them and it starts shorting out. Sparks fly everywhere. It's, it's not a real plant. Well, okay, I have to bring this up at this point. Right? Because Addie sees this thing snaking towards Wendell, mm-hmm. lets out an embarrassing shrill shriek, mm-hmm. like, thing coming at you. Wendell stabs it, and then the plant tries to fix itself? No, it actually tried to snatch the knife away from it. Yeah, him. like it tried to it tried to take the knife out of itself. Yeah, so he didn't destroy it, he just damaged it. And this is where the technology illusion kind of falls apart for me. Why? Well, because if he stabbed it, mm-hmm. right, he's ruined the electronics in it. How is this thing now smart enough to try and pull a knife out of its own vine? We don't know that it's self-driving. Someone could be controlling it. In fact, I would go so far as to say it's very likely someone is controlling it. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. My guess is the team that ambushes them has like a druid, quote unquote, who's actually running the vines. Yeah. There's, there's a puppet master behind this. Yeah. We don't know for sure. We haven't been explained how the technology works yet, but that would be my guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the vines. Yeah, okay. Illusion restored. I'm yeah. Okay. The vines uh, entangle a bunch of folks and then some drones swoop in and start netting people. And Torres at this point like grabs Addy and starts running back towards the forest and they get tackled by invisible people. Yeah. Addy at first is very confused, but then like they pull off cloaks of invisibility. At this point, Robin Hood, Arthur, all the merry band and the mercenaries have all effectively been captured. Basically. Through through a very stealthy ambush that was orchestrated by the team of Tess Selvacan. Yes. Now, last chapter I had posited they might not know that they're moving on the castle. Obviously, she guessed that they were moving on the castle or had better intel than than I suspected she did and had set up this ambush to intercept them. Yeah. Well, monkey drone, right? Yeah. The that monkey was, drone, we decided the monkey drone was hers? We presume that the monkey drone is hers. Yeah. And uh, she certainly knew that the mercenaries were there and were on their way to make contact with Arthur. Doesn't necessarily mean they're moving on the castle. No. Uh, either way, at this juncture, Arthur's like, hey, Tess, can we talk about this? <laughs> and Tess is like, oh, you want to talk about this now? We haven't heard from you in months, Mr. Guy. Okay, so this brief conversation, these few lines exchanged between Arthur and Tess, there is a whole sub-story here that we are not privy to. Yeah, especially because, like, even as... The Robin Hood team and Arthur and the mercenaries all kind of start getting loaded up on carts to get taken to, quote unquote, prison. Mm. They're being taken away. Yeah, there's there's a lot of easy camaraderie still going on. Like, none of the merry band seem too particularly worried that they've been captured by the dwarves. That's what... Uh, Addie, Addie calls them out as dwarves. Addie recognizes they have a different aesthetic and kind of pegs them as dwarves, basically. Yeah. Well, it, they are pretty dwarven. Yeah. Like, none of the human team 
getting captured by the dwarf team seem too overly concerned. There's a lot of like friendly chit chat and banter back and forth because these are fundamentally these are work comrades who just haven't had a chance to catch up in a little while. More or less. Yeah. It's like a childhood game of of like war, quote unquote war, right? Like you capture the bad guys and then you win, but nobody gets hurt because they're not actually fighting. Yeah, right? it's uh, this is something we've observed earlier too. Is that in many ways the design team is still treating this like a game. Like the stakes don't seem to have really sunk in for them. And even at one point, Tess is like, "How did these guys manage to get through the shield? I thought that was impenetrable." And Arthur's like, "Yeah, it turns out that a coast guard cutter ran into that, and like ten people are dead." And Tess is like, "Oh," and like. Her, oh no! Like her facade cracks in that moment because she's playing it real cool all chapter, but in that moment she's legitimately backpedaling for a second. Yeah, there are there are two moments where she breaks, where where Tess breaks, mm-hmm. and it's when Arthur tells her about the Coast Guard and the fact that people are dead. Yeah, that's not cool. No, right? that's nobody bad. wants that. That that is not how this game is supposed to go. Right, and the second is. Very shortly, when Torres says, ah, Tess, I have a message for you from Harris Lang. Yeah. And she just stares at him, mouth agape and dumbfounded for a moment. So that's going to go somewhere probably next chapter. Oh, guaranteed. My guess is that Torres has little thumb drives for all three of the design heads. Oh, probably. At any rate, uh, having been captured and needing to be taken to the Dwarf Fortress, they are finally formally introduced to the wargs and the warg riders (laughs) the robin hood team is all really impressed they're all like oh you got them working that's awesome and (laughs) arthur is like oh yes the borsts (laughs) and even tess is like no they're just wargs they're They're wargs Arthur." she doesn't she calls him artie she calls him artie yeah and i loved it she's like they're just wargs like there's no there's no guests here. We can just call them this because Borst is still such a terrible name. All of the captives get kind of thrown up on these wagons that the the wargs are pulling. Uh, Rucker. I'm giving a shout out to Rucker for dead this. Deadweights himself. Yeah. Oh, he knows better than to actually hurt anybody. Yep. Right. But, but he's going to make them work for it. Damned if he isn't going to make <laughs> them work for it. And he knows he's a good 200 pounds of dead oh, yeah. weight. Right. So he just he just goes limp. Well, and here's the thing. Um, <laughs> Addie notes that Torres seems a little off-put that he was ambushed. That much is is clear. He wasn't expecting this high-tech ambush. He was caught off guard. He feels a little bit of a sting about that. Like, yeah. his personal pride took a hit Right? There. Like, he, he should not be ambushed like that. But at the same time, he does want to parlay with Tess. He wants to get more information from another one of the factions. And so this is not necessarily a bad thing. He even kind of intimates, like... It's cool. This is fine. Yeah, I can work with this. Like, it's pretty clear as well, if the team wanted to, they could probably make trouble here. And Almonte and Wendell and Rucker are playing it cool because Torres is like, we're cool. This is fine. Otherwise, it's... It's exactly like when they encountered the Merry Band originally, and it was like, well, we've got all these nerds with bows and arrows versus highly trained soldiers with machine guns. Yeah, with actual live ammo guns. Yeah, the engineering team were able to effect a high-tech ambush on a group that wasn't expecting it, but the highly trained soldiers could probably effect a pretty good escape in this moment. Probably. Yeah. But again, this is not the best idea. No, and, and again, Torres is being taken to where he wants to go, mm-hmm. which is... Kind of. Not exactly Tor Camelot, which is where he ultimately wants to go, but having an opportunity to talk 
and interact with yeah. another one of these factions is he not a bad thing. He accepts this as a reasonable detour. Yeah. Right? To to taking the castle. Addie also thinks it's a reasonable detour because, A, she kind of wants to see the dwarf fortress. She wants to see everything. Yeah. And also because a wagon ride means she can take a load off her feet. And indeed, <laughs> she falls right asleep, like drooling on Torres' shoulder. <laughs> She straight up apologizes when she's jolted awake so a little later on. And he's like, nah, it's cool. Don't worry about it. Uh, they do trek for a while to get to Tess's stronghold. Addie sleeps through all of it, so she doesn't really get to see the journey. But uh, as they arrive, they're like met with these great fires on either side of like a giant door. Right, like these these grand pillars, this yeah. very elaborate entrance. And, and Tess is like straight up bragging to Arthur at this point. It's like, oh, you got to check out all the stuff oh. that we did. Arthur, you're going to love this. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about this before, how, how they've been separated. Uh, the employees of this island have been separated from the outside world, mm -hmm. right? And how they've been separated from each other. That was really, really driven home. In this chapter for me. Like they've even kind of developed their own cultures in a way. Yeah. Over the last few months. Like it's not just like being apart from each other and working on their own things. Like they are separated to the point where they are fighting each other. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Well, we don't. Well, no, like I said before, something happened that like shattered this camaraderie into like Factions, area factions. Yes, but also no, because that camaraderie is still there. That's demonstrated throughout this chapter. The humans get captured by the dwarves, I'm using quotations, yes. fairly passively, like, all right, we got beat, whatever. Yeah. Uh, they're getting taken to the base. Yeah, whatever. They're chatting along the way. Nobody's particularly upset about this. And that, to me, indicates that the stakes aren't super high in this conflict. So I don't think that they're necessarily at war with one another so much as they're still competing with one another. And Tess mm. moving to capture them before they got to the castle might have just been because she didn't know what Art's intentions were at the castle. Which is fair. Someone has taken it over. We can now surmise it might not have been Tess. So why is Arthur going there? Did he take it over? Mm -hmm. Who knows? Hard to say. The, the comment about like nothing from you for months and... The fact that Addie found, like, live, sharpened, real metal weapons. Yeah, I had supposed that they might be preparing for a possible conflict. There's, again, paranoia on the island. Nobody knows who took it over or why. So right. both sides hunkering down and preparing for the worst makes sense. I suppose. And when one of them moves on the castle, the other one goes to intercept because they don't know what's going on. That paranoia paranoia fed by a lack of information. Which is being controlled by one guy who's not even there. And we don't know who that is. Well, we do. It was Harris Lang. Harris Lang was controlling the information. Um, he isn't necessarily controlling it anymore. That's what I mean. Right now, we don't know who's in control. We yeah. don't know if we're teaming up to try and find Dominic or if we're teaming up to try and fight Dominic. Who, by the way, we can now suppose is the head of the elves faction. That makes sense. Yeah. Right? One realm over. The, and the realm of arrows. The last third of the pie. Yeah. It we, all... Arthur's team is the human team. Tess's team is the dwarven team. It yeah. follows that Dominic's team is the elven it team. It does make sense. Yeah. It, so when, when we get there, and if that's true, I will not be surprised. He'll be all like tree houses and, and elven magic looking stuff. That, yeah. That's kind of what I'm expecting. Which makes sense, because Dominic strikes me as the kind of guy, from what we've heard, who would play an elf. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. 
again, it, it's all going to track. Can I, and before we go on again, can I just once more, Addie nerds out much to the chagrin of Torres. Mm-hmm. He's like, I can't believe I got taken down by a bunch of nerds. And she goes, right? <laughs> Look at this cool stuff they have. They totally got you. And she's not doing it to rub it in, right? She's on his side. She's just so excited at all the stuff she's seeing. Yeah. She's very funny. <laughs> I like her. So that's kind of the action for this chapter. We're introduced to the new faction, but we don't really get much about them. Which I think is coming. I think it's going to be our next yeah, I think our next chapter is going to be a lot about the dwarves because the chapter ends as they like head into the mountain. It looks like yeah. So I don't know what did they hollow out a mountain? Well, did they hollow out a mountain? I mean, they already hollowed out a maze earlier. Do you on. have any idea how much work it takes to hollow out a mountain? Um, again, they built a whole underground maze and put giant spiders in it. Y- that's not a mountain. Also, I don't think there's any mountains on this island, so they at most have hollowed out a hill. Still impressive. Yep, not by hand. They have tools. No, I'm not saying they did it by hand. The fact that they did it at all is impressive. Maybe they built a fake hill. Oh, maybe it's a fake mountain? Also possible. <gasps> That's a, that'd be cool. I mean, Disney can do it. I'm sure that they can do it here on this island. That's true. And they've got more money than Disney in this fictional story. Before we wrap up, though, and and this is going to be a bit of a shorter episode, a bit of a shorter chapter. I'm sure we'll have more to discuss next chapter. Something we touched upon last chapter, and we ended up kind of discussing a little bit after the fact, kind of between episodes, because I had a little thought. Oh, yes, yes. Scott's Um, very smart. Yeah, we were talking about the statues and how just last chapter, Addie was getting like weird vibes from standing in front of the Harris Lang statue in the town square at the human town. Yeah. And how we had also seen one of those statues at the little tower at the Sphinx. And then we encountered another one that had been smashed near the castle. Yes. It dawned on me, you know, you're running this big high tech game with presumably tourists running around all over the island. You need to watch them somehow, right? Yes. So you'd have cameras all over the island. You sure would. But you'd probably maybe disguise them in order to keep up the fantasy aesthetic. Because immersion is clearly very, very important here. Yeah, so what if all of the statues are actually the surveillance? Right, so what if the eyes actually were following her? Because they're cameras. Because they're actually cameras. And then that would maybe track why someone near the castle... Would want to smash one of them? Would take out one of the statues to remove the security cameras. Right. Because that face was totally wrecked. And that's kind of where the where we would suppose maybe the cameras which were disguised to look like eyes might have been hidden. My immediate argument to that when Scott brought it up last night was well, you'd notice electronics inside a statue, right? Once it's smashed. But then we talked about it a little bit and like modern day surveillance can be very tiny. Yeah, like you can get a camera in your doorbell. You can stick a camera in the eyeball of a statue. Yeah, and in all honesty, you might not notice it among the rubble or someone swiped it. Yeah, because again, the statue's face was gone. Yeah, like obliterated. So they could have taken whatever electronics were there and and taken off with them. Yeah, could have been. Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, it it's a theory. We it's don't theory. really know for sure, but it was a thought that I had where I was like, that might explain why she was getting weird vibes from the statue. Mm-hmm. Why there was a little one over the door at the at the tower. Yep. Because that's the, that's security. The statues are watching people. Yeah. 
Yeah. It makes sense. I don't know if we're right, but it's a theory I like. Yeah, it's it's a sound theory. And it would make sense. And it would make sense. Because you'd need to keep an eye on everybody on the island. Of course somehow. you would. You want to keep your customers safe. And happy. Yeah. yeah. It's important. You so, can't yeah. just let them go and then hope everything will be fine. Right? Like the waiver that you would have to sign otherwise would be Oh, I imagine like there's... a binder thick. And the legal ramifications would be terrifying. There's probably a heck of a waiver for this island. Oh, I probably even as it is, there's probably a heck of a waiver for this island. Like whole whole pages I'm worth sure. of waiver that you need to go through, signed with a lawyer before you show up. And the nerds would do it. Oh, yeah. Well, the rich nerds. Because let's be fair, this, it would be an expensive trip. I mean, even Jurassic Park was being marketed as like rich people were going to be going to Jurassic Park. Wow. There's that whole scene- where in the first Jurassic Park, yeah, right, where um, Gennaro's like, oh, we can charge people a fortune, and John Hammond is like, yeah, yeah. he's I like, want... no, 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 everyone in the world deserves to see this. I didn't build it for the super rich, right? Yeah, but John Hammond is not Harris Lang. No, <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. At any rate, that's I think where we'll wrap up today. Bit of a shorter chapter as we move into the new year. Um, but you'll want to read up on chapter 16 in time for next week. Hopefully we'll get some more information about Tess and the engineering team and what they've been up to. Oh, I'm looking forward to going into this hill, mountain, whatever it is. Yeah. In the meantime, you know, if you're hollowing out a mountain, that's that's a big work order and it could bring with it some risks. Mm -hmm. And if one of your workers got themselves injured, you probably want to be able to provide them with some benefits. And fortunately, if you're uh, a small business digging out a mountain... Uh, you can turn to organizations such as Alberta Blue Cross to help you get set up. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic, to say the least. Alberta Blue Cross understands that. They offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time and on any device. That makes life easier for them and for you. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business. And Alberta Blue Cross has got your back. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. Alberta Blue Cross. Yay! Looking after people. Yes, you can look into them and also all the rest of the sponsors of the network right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. You can also check out all the other member podcasts. Uh, you can download those podcasts likely on the podcatcher of your choice while you're there. It's probably where you're catching this pod. That just makes sense. You could give us a little rating and review. Yes, please. Uh, you can also send us a missive via <laughs> social media. Absolutely. Pick your favorite. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at The Read Along. For most of them, we try to be easy to find. Yeah, we also set up one on Mastodon. Uh, you can look for us there. Oh, did we? Yeah. Good for us. You can also send us an email. Yes, we are thereadalong at gmail.com. And as always, uh, we love you very much. Have a happy new year, and we'll see you next time. I'm pretty sure Tess owes Torres some kind of apology. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. <laughs>